the city won't open, I believe, won't open back up if it's got a good chance until probably February. That's our hope. That's what we want. We, we would love that. If it could open again up in February, that would be amazing. This week on Dirty Linen, we are zipping around Australia and talking to people with interesting perspectives on the CBDs in our land. Mike McInerney is one of the Australian food world's brightest lights and most interesting identities. He's the director of Sydney's Carriage Works Farmers Market, the owner of Kitchen by Mike at Home, the COVID offshoot of his Kitchen by Mike restaurants. He definitely had the pandemic rug pulled out from under him with CBD and airport restaurants. But this week, as Dirty Linen focuses on CBD recoveries or otherwise, I'm particularly interested in why Mike hasn't reopened his city joint to dine in. But I'm sure there is lots of other stuff to talk about as well. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Hey, Danny. Thanks for inviting me. What a pleasure. Where does uh, where does life find you today? What are you up to? Well, I'm I'm working in a in a bunker in Marrickville, getting uh, getting some ready meals ready to go for delivery tomorrow. Right. So we um, we do we do our, our kitchen mum I get home range out of the kitchen in Marrickville. Okay, interesting. And so I guess bring us up to date, you know, what's 2020 been like for you? Obviously, it's uh, brought quite a few changes. Yeah, um, look, we we all know we all had to close our restaurants. Um, So for me, that was the city restaurant on Bent Street, Kitchen by Mike, and also um, the the big restaurant in the airport, in the international airport, called Kitchen by Mike also. So that was a, a big surprise for us. We weren't expecting any of that. But um it's it's become really interesting the way we look at it at the moment um is that we're desperate to to get back in the city and obviously the airport the airport i can't see that opening until third quarter next year um at best but who who knows and then the city um not being able to open there um during that time in april we we flipped very quickly and, and started a, a frozen ready meal business called Kitchen by Mike at Home, and we've been doing that since. Um, and we're, we're we're pretty solid. We're doing about two thousand meals a week, delivering through the the metropolitan um, parts of Sydney, up to up to almost up to Palm Beach, across to Pimble, ride down to the Tom Uglies Bridge, um, inner west, eastern suburbs. So we deliver right through there every Tuesday. So that's what we're doing today. Um, what are we doing tomorrow? Well. I guess that's what we're going to talk about shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting. Like this to to us in Melbourne, you know, the Sydney lockdown feels, you know, seems like, oh, you guys don't know lockdown. That was a blip. You just, you know, closed for a few few weeks and then life life geared back up again. But it's definitely not like that for this the center of the city, is it? And of course, it's definitely far from that at the airport but talk about the the passage of um of those two restaurants and, and in those two locations so the the in the city we, we can do we can do uh, look we, we can seat 120 people but kitchen bar mike is fast is, is a fast moving fast-paced restaurant we we can double and triple that in the service so that's that's kind of what we do at lunchtime um so we we have um we, low spend per head sort of high volume is sort of how we drive our model at kitchen by mike so you know um we we're just we're, at this very moment in time sydney is has always been very very different to melbourne melbourne is is an exciting city where it's got a huge um a huge percentage of people that actually live in the city in the cbd which is a wonderful thing it's 
buzzing every time I'm there. It's buzzing late at night, constantly. Sydney, very few people live in the CBD. So if you imagine, um, if you if you imagine the people at the moment, they, they're getting an option to work at home or, or a, a couple of days a week. What what we're finding is people are taking Monday or Friday or both off. So they're working a three-day week in the city at the moment. But in all the towers, we're in the bottom of a very large tower, 4,000 people. They're running it at 10 to 20% occupancy at the moment because people can, people are getting the, the I guess, the ability to work from home two good, good days in the week, long weekend days, and not deciding not to come back into town. So that's our challenge. Our challenge is, is not that we don't want to open. The challenge is we don't have an audience to cook for. Obviously, the airport is like that. The, the airport is sewn up. There's no international flights or very few. Um, so we, we can't open there. We, we, we're desperate to open the city. But we can only really open when large banks, law firms, internationals decide it's time to get their staff back in the building. That's our challenge. And what's, what are the projections for Sydney in in that, are you talking to some of the corporates in the tower above you and 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 the people around? You know what what kinds of things are you hearing? Yeah, look, there's a, there's a lot of different things that are out there at the moment. Um, traditionally, in the CBD, uh, at Christmas time, it closes and it reopens after Australia Day. Most people, most most most, you know, upper management in all of these towers, they're away until after Australia Day with with families or on a holiday, whatever they're doing. So. The, the, the city won't open, I believe, won't open back up if it's got a good chance until probably February. That's our hope. That's what we want. We, we would love that. If it could open again up in February, that would be amazing. Um, the, the problem is also is that people want to have a Christmas party or do an event in your restaurant during December. But by the time you gear up to open for the month of December, the, the silly season as we all know it, you've got to gear back down again to do nobody again in January. So it's a risk that, that a, a, um, a restaurateur needs to hold. Do you open for that burst in Christmas, which won't be as big as what it has been pre-COVID, or do you just wait patiently until February? So that's, that's the first thing. The, the next thing I'm hearing through banks and, and legal firms, particularly from the US and the UK, is that they stick to pretty much what the hours of their companies are working overseas. So if they're telling their staff overseas to stay at home, work at home, it's pretty much what they're being told over here. So <laughs> mm. we've really got to pick up the, the vaccine or however we want to drive this, this conundrum. It, people need to be getting back to work overseas and drive those companies to open again over here. That's, that's what I'm being told. Um, but, you know, who, who knows really? Um, it's really I'm, interesting. I'm not the boss of their companies. <laughs> no, but it's so interesting that, you know, we can celebrate how well we've done in Australia, but if the timing is actually dependent on what's happening for these these big companies in territories where COVID is rampant, then it doesn't really matter that um, we've achieved no, it doesn't. basic elimination. Doesn't it doesn't help you? It really doesn't. It it doesn't at all. So you know, the, these guys are still working, but they're working from home. They're, in, they're working in what they're deemed to be a safe environment, working at home. So I guess, I guess it's confidence. These, these um, overseas companies need the confidence that Australia is, um, is safe and, um, and, and that people can get back into the office together um, is, is where it's coming from. Do you think it's uh, that 
our cities are, are, are never going to be the same. I mean, do you think the whole concept of, you know, a city with a centre and, and these suburban rings is, is going to shift um, permanently? Look, I, I, I do. Let's, let's face it, people certainly have a taste of, of working a three- or four-day week now. Um, it's going to be part of, of uh, people's contracts. I, think, I also think it's very healthy for, for mental health. It's keeping hours down, but, but then I read constantly that people working from home are actually working more hours than they would at work. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, I guess that comes down to people really focusing on, on managing hours and, and manage, managing their workers. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, I don't think it's going to be the, the hustle and bustle of a five-day week anymore. I really don't. Um, I do think that a lot of these big companies are going to, going to be really bright about this and say, well, hang on a sec. If we're not opening five days a week and we don't have the capacity in our office anymore, let's downscale our, our, um, our tenancy. Let's make a huge saving on rent. Let's get some of our guys working from home. And that's going to put a bit of a hole in the city. And that hole in the city, that will refill. It'll refill with other companies that don't need as much space as they used to. And so I think, I think it will bounce back, certainly. But I do think, I do think these, uh, these shorter weeks are, are the way forward for most of these big companies. So then that means restaurateurs like me would have to do traditionally a five-day week in three days. Because that's what it is at the moment. Monday and Friday are the empty days in these towers. I speak to concierge constantly, and, and they are the empty days in the, in the towers. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are, the, are their better days. So you just need them to be really hungry Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, look, you know what? Well, we, we, we diversified into the, into the home delivery, which is great. We'll continue running that parallel to Kitchen by Mike. Um, but also we'll be focusing heavily probably on, um, on deliveries to offices, um, really focusing on, on um, a, an e-commerce space where people can pre-order something and come and collect it or we can send it up the, the lift. But it, it just these are things that we can only really drive once we get back on site. So I think it's about diversification and, and how we can tap into, um, tap into that that guess that um that business um how can you do it in three days instead of five um and that's in the city that's you know we used to open on saturdays as well um will we open again on saturday night i'm not sure um we, we'll have to wait until we look at, at, at what's happening but definitely um, monday to friday will be our restriction and then we'll be looking very carefully on the monday friday trade so uh, in the meantime have you got rent concessions at both premises Look, we've been looked after a little bit um, by um, by the city, um, by the, the, the our landlords in the city. Um, the airport, uh, in many ways, have have given concessions. In many ways, not, but in other ways, yes. So, look, there are people trying to help. I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to um, the tenant really wanting to make it work. We really want to make it work. We really want to be back in the city. We we love our space there. We we love where we are. But if we're going to be burning $100 bills down the middle of the street because we're opening and there's no customers, then we kind of need the support um, because we want to do it properly. We, we really want to... It needs to be sustainable reopening for any business, I think. Um, so mm. there needs to be give and take on, on both sides. 
So what about the satisfaction of doing what you're doing at the moment, you know, without that, uh, with less customer interface and interaction and with doing frozen food? I mean, you're oh. a produce guy. Like I oh. know how much you love fresh yeah. food yeah. And, and, the, yeah. and, the, and the art of hospitality, yeah. like, you know, food in front of people and, you know, it making them smile. I know you talk about Kitchen by Mike as, as a sort of a quick fireplace, but I, when I've been to your places, like there is such a feeling that you're there together selling celebrating produce you know there's a real there's a real connection oh, sure. so tell me tell me about the difference between that and you know creating that feeling and what you're doing now well of course that's that's my that's why I'm in hospitality I, I love I love looking after people I love the discussion and, and the, the relationship and the communication around food that's you know at Kitchen by Mike I I work on the past so I I talk to all of the customers that come Every one of them, I'm serving them. So I, I really love that. But obviously, we're in a bunker at the moment. We see, we see very little natural light. We're providing food for people to eat when they're busy. Um, we're doing really simple food at the moment. And, and don't get me wrong, this is something that we always wanted to do. I always wanted to do Kitchen by Mike at home um, because I totally understand how, how things have changed. You know, people... People are really busy. People, you know, dads at squash, mums at parent-teacher meeting, and everyone's at home at different times, or, or people don't have time to cook as much as they'd like to. So we, we have a, a quiver of about 100 things on our menu at Kitchen by Mike at home that you can get delivered to you. And what it does, it gives me a, a really lovely feeling that someone's able to pull something out of their freezer once a week or twice a week just to help them out. It's not replacing cooking fresh food. We, we don't want to do that. That's not what we believe in. But it's there to balance people's lifestyles and give them a chance to eat, eat well without, you know, if you, if, you, um, if you read the ingredients on the back of, a, of any ready meal packet in the freezer in IGA or Coles, whatever, it's, it's full of really interesting ingredients. So we try and keep it really simple. Um, food that we know what it is, food that we've produced in our kitchen in very small batches so you can eat well. Um, for um, for something really simple and, and, and easy. So what are a, cu a couple of dishes you're doing tomorrow? What are some of the dishes people are going to be getting around Sydney? Well, we, we, we do. It's, that's another interesting thing because what we've realised is that ready meals classically are, are things that you throw in the oven. So they're warm meals, they're pies, they're stews, they're, they're things that like to, to come out and keep you warm. As we've moved into the the hotter weather we've had to change a lot of the food that we're doing um so we're at the moment we're doing um ocean trout that we marinate in yakitori sauce for you to put on the barbecue uh we're, we're making uh handmade koftas lamb koftas chicken satay so we'd, we're really focusing quite a lot of barbecue food that you can cook really quickly um that that's really light and, and great for the summer we continue to do our our classics we always make our handmade chicken liver pate we make two different pies. We make a chicken, ham and leek pie and a, and a, a wagyu shin and suet crust pie, which, which sell very well. So, we, you know, we, it's quite varied, but we're in the summer and we notice that that's the kind of way we need to move with, with what's on offer at the moment. And have you noticed much, um, have you noticed a downturn in people buying the ready meals as restaurant restrictions have eased and people are, uh, are able to go out more and are more confident in doing so? Sure. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, sure. Look, don't get me wrong. It, the market is there and it's big, but the, but we're a little we're we're little guys. We don't spend a fortune on on huge you know million dollar marketing campaigns to get into everyone's database. We we just don't do that. We we're basically word of mouth and social media. That's really all we do. So we notice a huge run when we first opened when um, when COVID was really in its crazy stages through sort of your Mays, your Junes and Julys, we, we were really taking some big numbers. But it's slowed down now and it's slowed down and, and it's actually balanced. We're doing pretty much the same amount every week now. And we, we lose people, but we gain people at the same rhythm. So I think, I think it's balanced. And I do think and I do want people to support restaurants. It's not there to replace restaurants. Mm. It's not there to replace you cooking at home. As I said, it's only there to help you out if you need to pull something quick out of the freezer and throw it in the oven. Or on the barbecue. That's really all we're doing. So, I guess that's the beauty of it. We've tapped into a, another market that Kitchen Bar Mike didn't have before. So when we do open the restaurant again, we're actually a more sustainable business. We have another mm. revenue stream, yeah, which we need to be able to to keep drawing because it may need to make up for those Mondays and Fridays that aren't as strong as what they used to be. Um, we won't know until we reopen. What proportion of your staff have you managed to retain? Um, so I've kept, um, let's, let me think about this. So I've kept one, two, three, four, five, six full-time staff and two casual staff is what I've been able to keep. And so, and how many did you have, um, pre-March? Oh gosh, we had about 20 staff, um, at, at Kitchen by Mike in the city. The, um, the airport, because um, because the airport, I have a partnership with Emirates Retail Leisure. They're a sovereign company, so we're given no no assistance from the government. Yeah. So all of my staff at the airport have gone. And we had 45 to 50 staff there. So they've all gone. So when we reopened Kitchen by Mike at the airport, you know, we won, we won best restaurant in the world in any airport um, a year or two back. And that came down to great training and, and really focusing on the quality. We're going to have to start again to reopen, which is it's exciting but also very daunting because that IP has now been lost. We've got to really train all of those staff again. And, and that's a great thing but also a, a costly thing for any operator. Training is the investment I believe in. So we'll have to see how we go with that. Absolutely. Um, and what are you hearing from people in Sydney about finding staff at the moment? It's really hard. It's really hard. For instance, we're doing uh, we're doing the um, Westpac Open Air Cinema this year. We start next week, and um, and it's very difficult to find any casual staff because a lot of the casual staff are working in particular places. They're getting a minimum amount and topping up with either job seeker or they're earning cash. You know, let, let's face it. You can. Pretty much sit on the beach, and and get you know four fifty five hundred dollars a week, and just sit on the beach. Not a bad, not a bad situation to be in. So to try and twist people's arms and say, well, here I can I can give you some work, um, is it's a difficult thing. And I think that that's that's going to be the hard thing for the government to do to really really get everyone back into the workplace, rather than being supported. And I know that that start that stops in March, um, but. You know, there are some people that need it and there are plenty of other people that really, they're forfeiting work to take that. So it's not easy finding staff at the moment. It really isn't. Um, staff are really dictating what they want, 
when they want to work, how much they want to be paid, whether they can earn cash only or not. There's a, there's a hell of a lot of that around at the moment and it's not easy for any employer really? to, to take that mm. on board. Um, it's difficult because let's face it, um, you only have to look at, at the at the colour in the press last year about all of the people that were underpaying staff or doing the wrong thing by the award or, you know. So none of us, all of us, are really careful about how we pay our staff. I'm not going to risk paying anyone cash. I'm just, I'm not there. I'm not doing that. But there is a lot of demand for that at the moment. Sure. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a strange world at the moment. I mean, do you think in some ways that not the, not the cash side of it, which it just puts everyone in a tricky position, but, but, Mm. But employees, um, you know, setting their own demands. I mean, do you think that there is part of that is a reset that that we needed to have as an industry? Sure, it, it is a reset, and I think it's right. And I think I think in our industry, we've all we've all been there and done that. We've all done the mega hours, and and it's not right. It's not good for anyone's mental health to be doing crazy hours in in stressful environments. But if you're going to come to me and say, Mike, I can work. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I don't want to work on the weekends and I don't want to work on Friday and I'm only available at this time, that then there's plenty of people that are like that and it's going to skew the, the mm. it's going to skew people's opening hours because it's not going to be, we're not going to be able to find staff to work the shifts that, that we need them to work. That's also a danger. Um, so... Well, I, I mean, I'm hearing that from a lot of people that they can't open as much as they want to or they've got three businesses, they can only open two of them simply because they can't get the people to staff it. There's a lot of owners that are doing crazy hours because, you know, they, they need to get back into their business and do the work of two people. So, I mean, it already is having having that effect. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting Interesting to see how that shakes down. I, I think so. I think so. I think... I think there's going to be need to be some support um, from the government in on that. Um, I think I just think you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's got to be a balance, um, and as an employer, I understand a, a big part of that balance. I understand what it's like to be on the receiving end, and and I I always like to think that I look after my staff, but you need to know that your staff are also got your interest in hand as well. And I, I think if if there's a balance, then I think it will be fine. But if there's this one-sided movement, then I think it's going to damage our industry quite significantly. Mm. Um, let's talk about Carriage Works and that beautiful farmer's market there. Um, how did 2020 play out for the market? Obviously, it needed to close for a while. But, uh, yeah, tell me about the year it's had. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one. Um, we, we had to close it for a number of reasons. Obviously, um, we were concerned about COVID um, in, in that type of environment, but also Carriage Works went into voluntary administration at that time. So we didn't have an option to keep open. We actually had to close. Um, so, and and at that, at that stage, farmers had food in the ground that they had to sell. They had to, that's, you know, so many people, Carriage Works is their only outlet for selling. There are others that it, that it isn't, but but some it is. And if they've got food in the ground and we can't give them a place to sell it, then it all happened very quickly. And uh, it, a lot of people went through a lot of pain with that. However, we have reopened, reopened. We reopened back in August, um, and we've really supported the farmers. It's been a, it's been 
it's been um, really well received by the public. Uh, we're, we're doing, we're pretty much full. We started, when we first opened, we put very strong measures in place. We had security guards counting in, counting out, making sure we had the right amount of people on precinct. We advised people to wear masks. Um, obviously, no tastings. We, we, we eradicated that very quickly. So it, it was controlled. And what we found is people, we were getting our focus shoppers back very quickly. So the experience now is we've got, we're doing, a, I guess we're doing a few less than what we were last year. Um, we were average, averaging around 5,000 people a day, uh, sorry, every Saturday at the market. But mm. we're doing a few less now, not by much, but the people that are coming, they're not just coming for a cup of coffee. They're coming to do their shop. They're a focused market shopper. And, and it's glad, we're really glad to have them back because people change their habits pretty rapidly because we weren't open for such a long time. There's plenty of other farmers markets out there who do a great job where you can go to and buy your product. So we're really grateful that people have come back to us um, and, and we're certainly grateful um, that the producers that we have um, have stuck by us and stuck with us and we want to support them. We're a farmer's market, not, not without them. We have to have them to be there. So, you know, we, we love our producers <laughs> yes. and, and they need to be looked after first and foremost. They are the most imp important piece on the, on the jigsaw puzzle, the producer, and they're the people we, we really believe in. Yeah, it is such an interesting market. I mean, when I've been there, it, it's often been the first time I've seen certain things, like whether it's, you know, someone who's harvesting seaweed of, you know, particular types for particular mm. culinary uses, you know, it's um, uh, Australian ingredients. It's, uh, yeah, there's always a really interesting selection of traders. Yeah, and the, the beautiful the, be the beautiful thing is, is that it's, We've got a very strong charter in place at the market. So it's only New South Wales and the farmer stroke producer has to be there to sell their wares. They can't have a distributor come and do it for them. So you're getting a very, very uh, traditional farmer's market feel in a very urban landscape. You're talking to that farmer, you're forming a relationship. You can ask them, well, you know, is their food going to be there next year and why, etc. So it's, it's a really nice market to be part of and... Um, and it's a very positive market to be part of in, in the fact that we, we have to certainly be always concerned about, um, about our food and, and what our food is like in the future and whether we're going to run out or not. So by being connected heavily with local producers like, like the people at Courage Works, we can really um, have a positive impact on people. I think it's something people are thinking a lot more about after the year that we've had when we did see the fragility of supply chains and, you know, certain foods weren't available. You just, you know, you couldn't just blindly write a shopping list and expect to be able to pick everything out in one shop. Uh, and I think also as we've seen the crisis in regional labour, people not being able to get get food to market but also people hearing hearing more stories about uh fruit pickers um being underpaid and uh and not looked after as well as they need to be i think people are really wanting to shop ethically or those questions are really coming to mind you know and i've had people messaging me over the weekend like how do i know that my blueberries aren't um you know being picked by people who aren't being paid properly and i guess one of, one of the answers is go to a farmer's market buy it direct from the farmer of course you can't do that for you know every recipe but... and, and ask and ask them a question yeah and ask yeah ask them how, how it's all ask them how it's all getting there 
Um, with the voluntary administration, what was the story behind that, Mike? Look, I guess I guess at the end of the day, um, it's it's a it's heavily government funded carriage works, and um, and heavily government funded because it, because the lease is is basically given to us by by a government organisation, and and I guess we're able to take a long term lease. So by not having a long term lease, it's very difficult to take private investment. So um, coming out of the VA, um, we now have a long-term lease. We're able to take in uh, in private investment and and benefactors, and I guess it's much more it's a much more sustainable model. Carriage works. I, I don't want to talk sort of I don't want to talk sort of out of line here, but you know you need to understand that Carriage Works. When you go and see art at Carriage Works, you go and look see the Nick Cave exhibition that was on last year. It's free, and that comes out of at a cost. And I guess. We really need to understand that that things uh, are give and take in anything in life. Um, the Carriage Works Farmers Market um, assists in in helping uh, some of that art come to Carriage Works. But now, looking looking in retrospect, I guess there are many things that were done which perhaps shouldn't have been. But Carriage Works is is a firebrand. Carriage Works has always gone uh, way ahead of the curb in what they do, and they're ex it's an exciting place to see cutting-edge art, etc., and, and I'm just pr uh, really proud to be part of the, the farmer's market and form this food art precinct, which, which has been for quite some time. And to see, to see um, Blair French, um, who's currently in charge of Carriage Works, bring it out of VA and, and give it the, the support it needs, it's just it's incredible. So onwards and upwards, I, I see at Carriage Works, um, the, the programming is, is lifting into next year. But again, being, being COVID, we have to be safe. We don't know how many people we can have on the precinct next year. We only know what we can have on it this year. So, you know, it means um, when we do the night market, we've done lots of night markets at Carriage Works. Um, we don't know if we can have 8,000 people on the precinct at the moment, we can't. So we're not planning a night market too soon, but the minute it changes, then it changes our, our appeal to what we can do. So. I just think we—it's—it's it's a moving landscape at the moment at Carriage Works, and it's exciting, and things are, are, are lifting very quickly. Mm, yeah, well, I certainly have seen some amazing art there, and you'd hope they're reasonably well placed to um, to thrive into next year with enormous areas, enormous ex exhibition spaces, and the market is also being yeah undercover but open air. Hopefully. Um, it's well placed to yeah head into a very tasty COVID normal. Um, mm. So how are you feeling, Mike? You know, it's the we're coming to the end of the year. Are you feeling drained by twenty twenty? Are you feeling energized? Um, and how optimistic are you feeling? Look, I think um, time is a healer. I think uh, over the last few months, I think it's given us all time to reassess what 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 we're doing, what our businesses are doing, and and, and the way forward. But we won't know the way forward yet, not until we sort of reach into mid, mid next year and we've got a few more things which are, are balanced. Things are changing day by day. Gladys made a big change only a few days ago and it came out of the blue. And I just think at the moment we're sitting on the, on the seat of our, our pants waiting for the next thing to happen. Um, I think if we're able to be uh, reasonably sustainable in what we do, then I think we're, we're okay. So for me... Um, we're gearing up. We're about to start um, the, the Westpac Open Air Cinema. So 
that's really busy for us. Um, it's, that's seven days a week until the 24th of February. So we're really pushing for that. We're really pushing to reopen the city in February. Um, so we've got some, some plans ahead of us that we, we really are working strongly to, to get across the line. Um, and I think a lot of people are in that way. They're, they're looking to do new things and, and rebrand or change something they're doing. But, you know, you, you can't jump too quickly uh, with the way things are changing. You Look at Melbourne. You're open, you're open, and then all of a sudden you're forced to close again. So people are sort of on their toes at the moment. They're, they're waiting to see which way they need to go. Mm. Well, I would certainly wish you all the best with, uh, yeah, the various irons that you have in the fire. Um, yeah, it's really fantastic to have the opportunity to chat to you, and I look forward to eating your food in the not-too-distant future. But thanks so much for having a chat today, Mike. Pleasure, Danny. Thank you and lots of love. Take care, everyone. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>